You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Thank you. Give her a hand, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I do want to just take a quick second and honor our worship team. Um, so grateful uh, for the authenticity that they carry, that they model, that they display. Um, I am so, uh, we're so privileged to be in a place where it's not a production and a show, um, but it's people pouring out before the Lord. So uh, thank all of you just for, for being who you are and pouring out what you do. Amen. Give them a hand really quick if they're, if they're here. Um, also, quickly want to say, I'm just, uh, we, we love this church. We're super excited about the season that's ahead. Um, and I just, I, I know I say this a lot, but um, I want to do it often because I just think uh, we've had the most beautiful golden pastors who have founded this place and led this place and Donna and Robin. Um, and he does not pay me to do this stuff. It's not part of the job description, uh, but I am hoping to get one of his hats one day, you know, so that's, that's my goal. There's always a, something to leverage, so. I want to talk about prayer this morning, but let me pray us into that first. Father, um, God, we, we love you in this place. God, we trust you. The best that we can, God, we trust you. And so, Father, I just ask by your presence that you would do what we can't do this morning, that you would be in the spaces that we can't be. God, that you would do something in our hearts and our minds that we simply cannot do on our own but it's only by your spirit and your presence. God, let those certain specific spaces just shift for us this morning and give us grace. God, we just pray for this city, the city of Charlotte. God, just that your presence would be known in every space. God, equip us to do it, Father. God, that in every story and narrative um, that just occupies this place, your presence would be known, Father. And last, God, we just say um, by faith that our best days are ahead, not just as a church, not just as a people, but even as a city, as a nation, um, as humanity, our best days are ahead um, because that's who you are. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. I want to talk about prayer um, a little bit this morning. And just to say up front, I'm going to have to really follow some notes so that I have some clear guardrails. Prayer is a tricky topic, uh, at least for me sometimes, because it can go so many places. Um, and it can be a, a little tricky to navigate because there's so much mystery when it comes to things like prayer and faith and how they mix. And depending on your background and your theological views, you may have different approaches to uh, one topic that is prayer. So I want to be really uh, careful here this morning, but hopefully challenge and also anchor us in a few thoughts. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians says this, 5.16-18. through 18. I want to read this passage really quick. It says, rejoice always. For fun, please say always. Always. Uh, It says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want us to say always. These are something that we do all the time. Okay, And when it says pray continue, I want to pull that one statement out just to camp there for a bit. Uh, that does not mean that you're always up at the altar praying, obviously. Okay, uh, You're not always deep in the spirit. Okay, now, Maybe you are, but I, I'm not, at least. Um, <laughs> I try to be sometimes, uh, but the reality is uh, when it means... Uh, when it says pray all the time or continually, it does not mean that you're always in this certain version of prayer. Okay. Um, in fact, I love this passage because Paul is setting some standards. And I think Paul's someone who's lived these standards. Paul's a guy who can write from prison. He can write under persecution. He can write from a place of encouragement. He can uh, encourage these guys to rejoice always when he himself is living and evading persecution most of his ministry. Right. Uh, which means this isn't just a tool that he uses sometimes. This is a position that he's living life from. So when it says rejoice, always pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Here's the important thing. This is a positional statement. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
I love the story of Paul because Paul was never writing from the position of his prison cell or the position of his persecution. He was writing from his position in Jesus. And so he could encourage, he could rejoice, and he could pray in these hopeful, uh, encouraging ways and send letters to churches because he himself was not held captive by his thing. He was positioned in Christ. Amen. And so when we pray, we're not just praying uh, sometimes we're praying positionally from a location, which is um, Jesus. Here's the thing about prayer. I was reminded of this yesterday because we uh, were in a wedding and watched two of our best friends in the world get married. And here's the challenge. They're not here today, so we can talk about them. Um, but here's the challenge. Um, they got married a little later in life, uh, about 40 years old, right? Uh, 41, actually, to be exact. Oh, nothing wrong with that, though, right? Now, here's the challenge with that. I think sometimes the later you get married, if you haven't been married before, means that you've done you a lot longer. So to bring you and another you together when you've done it longer is sometimes a little trickier than when you get married when you're like 18. Now, I'm not encouraging you to get married when you're 18 because that's a different set of challenges. Um, but one of the things that is pretty evident is they're stepping into that realm of one of the most important parts of marriage, which is communication. And here's the problem with communication. Um, the single probably greatest problem with communication is the illusion that it's happened. <laughs> right? Amen. See, we got some, uh, some young newlyweds back there supporting it's the illusion that it's taking place, right? If you're like me, and I hope that you're not, you have maybe not fully understood but are learning the difference between talking to your wife and talking at your wife. It's a different thing, right? In fact, um, communication is never one-sided. Communication is a conversation uh, where we're giving and we're also receiving. We're talking, but we're also listening. In fact, some of the best communication is when we position ourselves to listen more than we talk. Really hard to do. Um, what is prayer? And I'm going to simplify it. It's, it's so many layers and it's so much deeper than this, but I want to make it really simple and talk in one box this morning. But let's make it this simple this morning. Prayer is talking with the Lord. It's conversation with God. Okay, which means there's two sides to prayer if it's a conversation. There's the talking, but there's also this crucial part of listening. All right? And I think sometimes when it comes to prayer, it is so hard, at least for me, to listen more than I talk. But it's in the listening that prayer is the most effective. Okay? There's good prayer, there's bad prayer that might be strong language. Let's call it effective prayer and ineffective prayer. Ineffective prayer is one-sided prayer. Let me give you some examples of maybe um, safe but ineffective prayer. Okay, um, Worrying out loud to the Lord is the safest place to do it, but not the most effective prayer. Okay, Good with that? Now, is it okay to worry? Absolutely. Here's another example. Gossiping to God about people is the safest place to do it. And if you're going to do it, please do it there. But it's not the most effective model for prayer because usually nothing's going to change. You're just going to get it all out. Right? Uh, I sat with a friend not too long ago who needed to just get it all out. Right? Going through tension. He needed somewhere to put it. Safe place. Um... It didn't help him. Sometimes it might help you, depending on your personality. It didn't help him in this circumstance. But he got it all out. Now, was it effective? Not in his case. Uh, but it was a safe place for him to do it. If we're going to gossip, if we're going to worry, if we're going to bring like certain things, God is the safest place in the most safe conversation we have to do it. I always encourage you, don't complain to people uh, about something that you haven't talked to him about yet. Always talk to him first, okay? He wants to have the conversation. But effective prayer is not gossiping to God about the condition, about things. 
Here's another one um, I think we tend to fall into the trap of sometimes. Um, it's not good. I'm going to call this bad prayer. Bad prayer is when we um, try to impose our will to God and ask him to bless it. Right? When, and it usually revolves around what I think he should be doing. Whether it's an interpretation of scripture, just something I think I discern prophetically. A lot of times we go to the Lord, we look at certain situations around us and we think, God, do this. God's going to do this. And sometimes what we find is we're actually imposing our will on the Lord and saying, God, do what I think you should be doing. It's not the most effective um, prayer. It's kind of bad prayer because it's so lopsided in the sense we're usually talking at God. And here's the beautiful part of the Father. He's listening. But he doesn't just want to listen. He wants to be heard. Right? Amen? You guys are so quiet today, which means you're listening. And I so appreciate that. <laughs> but God wants to be heard in these moments of prayer. When it, means, when it says pray continually, it means we have an unending, open conversation and dialogue going with the Father. Because to pray continually means he's not boxed out of any space of my life. It means every single space of my life he's invited into because I'm learning to think the way that he thinks about it. I want to hear his thoughts about a certain situation or a season or the condition of my heart or my marriage, whatever it is. I don't want there to be any space where the conversation and the phone line is down. That's what it means to pray always. Every space, all the time. Because I promise you, the Father has something to say about the space that you're in. Amen? But bad prayer is talking, worrying, uh, gossiping, imposing our will, putting these things on the Lord, but never receiving what the Lord has for us. I want to pull out a verse of Ezekiel. And there's probably 20 better prayer verses I could have used, but this is uh, a conversation that stands out to me. And everybody's probably familiar with this. A uh, little context, this is Ezekiel prophesying. He's a uh, big picture talking about the rebirth of Israel who's in the middle of some challenges. Um, they've been attacked. Some of them have been uh, taken prisoner. They're kind of divided and dispersed. And uh, Ezekiel is living in Jerusalem as a priest. And now he's been taken captive by the Bab- uh, Babylonians. And he's there and now he's having these encounters with God. And um, there's just a lot going on here. But I want to look at this conversation specifically this morning because it's really interesting where he is. It's Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Let me point this out. This is a conversation. This is prayer, right? This is an open phone line. This is giving and receiving. This isn't Ezekiel saying, God, here's what I think we should do, and I'll just come and bless it. This is Ezekiel testifying to what he sees, but listening uh, for what's on the other side. So again, verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. You will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign lord says come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them 
They came to life, stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now, again, context, and we're going to draw more of a spiritual application this morning, but he's prophesying to people who have been divided and dispersed for some time. Hope is pretty much shattered. Uh, this is a prophetic word that probably wasn't well-received. It was resisted probably by a lot. Ezekiel probably wasn't the most well-received prophet, especially in that moment, because their moment was their moment. And the challenge was their moment now has become their condition. It's become their culture. It's now be, uh, become the thing that sets their expectations. So he's prophesying this coming hope. And those listening probably aren't really listening. They're hearing. Anybody ever seen uh, the movie White Men Can't Jump? Yeah. Movie night. Um, it's about me. Um, but it, there's, a, there's a scene in there where they're listening to Jimi Hendrix. And one guy's correcting the other guy saying, oh, I'm going to butcher this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He says, uh, yeah, you're, you, can, you can hear Jimi Hendrix, but you're not listening or something like that. Because they're different things, right? Uh, they're hearing this prophetic word, but they're not actually absorbing the heart of the Lord for where they are and where he wants them to be. Now, I want to say this about prayer because prayer is a comforting thing, and we'll look at some of the uh, good prayer uh, fruits here in a minute. Um, but the point of having conversation with God isn't just to shroud and cover the place that I'm in. It's to get me to a different place. And I'm going to be very cautious here because I think one of the things we do sometimes out of ineffective models of prayer is we shame people because of where they are. And we call it faith. Um, and so what happens is when we're, uh, I, I'm, I'm tripping because I, I got to be very careful here. <laughs> Give me grace. When we shame people because they did the right things and their outcome wasn't what they thought, it's one of the most dangerous places we can function. Because what's happening is this is the layer where we're imposing our will. And so when God doesn't do it, we have to explain why. Okay? This is not effective prayer. Prayer lives in this place of constant mystery where He is Lord. And I trust him with outcomes. Amen. But what we do sometimes is we camp in the place that we're in. Now, these guys were in a situation, this word of the Lord's coming, and it's a word of the Lord that is hope. I mean, he's literally, when he uses this language, breath of life, he's talking about, they would have known this as the breath that was breathed into the creation of man. This was the rebirth of their nation. It was a coming back together, and these bones were dry because they've been there a long time, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is a hopeful prophecy, but it's falling in a climate of probably resistance. Sometimes we get in a season so long that we get so comfortable there that we forget he's a God of hope. And so when he knocks on the door and says, hey, in the most loving, gentle way, it's time to move. Man, sometimes it's hard to listen and sometimes it's hard to move. Is that safe this morning? Um, and I want to say this, if you're in one of those seasons where it's comfortable, absolutely no shame you're so safe with the lord there but can i encourage you to there's still hope right here's some benefits of good prayer let's break this down here's what good prayer does it causes us first to look again everybody say look again it causes us to look look again verse three he asked me son of men son of man can these bones live it challenges how we see what we see Okay? And again, apply this to any area of your life. But when we are in conversation with God, it causes us to look again. It challenges how we see what we're looking at. Because here's the truth. The way he sees what you see is probably not the same way that you see it. And when the phone lines open, this is the conduit that gives heaven's perspective to me on earth. 
Because when I get the perspective of the Father and the thing that I'm looking at, it now changes how I'm looking at the thing that I'm looking at. And the thing that I'm looking at is now different. Here's an example. Jesus comes. He's an open conduit and cell phone to the Father. He's literally walking around. The phone line's never shut. And now everything that was reality before is negotiable because he's open in conversation with God. So what happens is now the lame who couldn't walk before, but now all of a sudden are, now they're looking again. Every time I'm sure when the disciples walked by a lame guy, they looked again. They thought about it differently. Their perspective had shifted. I'm sure when they looked at water who had never been walked on before, but now all of a sudden has, they're looking again. They're saying, wait a minute. Everything I've known is now negotiable uh, because this open conversation with God, which happened to be in the form of Jesus at a table breaking bread, all of a sudden has literally flipped my paradigm upside down. And everything I thought was the way that it is and the things that I've seen is now changing. And they're looking at things different. They're pondering things different because when we really have prayer that's not just talking but it's listening, it challenges me to look Again, let me say it like this. Prayer isn't a conversation um, where I describe my, my situation to God. But when he describes my situation to me, this is where it changes. This is why I say ineffective prayers when I'm just like telling God about my stuff. And that's safe. It's fine. Ring it out there. That's the safest place to, to ring out the tension. But it becomes effective when I... Also listen and allow him to describe my situation to me. You remember the time they have thousands, like instant mega church. And Jesus is just trying to kind of get away. And everyone's there. They're staying late. Service is running long. And they get hungry. The disciples are concerned. Because hungry people get violent. Um, and they go to Jesus. They say, Jesus, we don't have enough What does Jesus do? What do you have? What they're looking at is the same thing that he's looking at. But what he sees is not the same thing that they see. And so what he's saying, hey, I know you're concerned, but look again. I only have a couple loaves and some fish. Jesus, yeah, that's enough. And what happens? A miracle unfolds before their eyes. The thousands are fed. They take up baskets afterwards. He literally multiplied what wasn't enough because he didn't see it the same way that they saw it. When we're having true conversation with God where both sides are open, it's not about me explaining my situation to the Lord. It's more about him explaining my situation to me. That's where everything starts to change. This is what's happening in this prophetic word. They're in a situation. They've probably cried out to God till they're blue in the face. But now he sends the prophet to say, hey, let me explain your situation to you. And it's one of hope, right? But they've looked at it their way for so long through their lens that it's almost hard to hope. Because they're not necessarily always listening. But God always calls us to look again when we're actually in conversation with him. Here's another thing that it does. Prayer, effective prayer, brings us into agreement with God. Verse number seven, he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Good prayer is when the words that we hear from the Father's mouth become the words that are in our mouth, right? But I can't hear what's in his mouth if I'm not listening to the other side, right? When we come into agreement with God, things change. Um, And we're going to talk about things that change in a minute. But things change when we come into agreement with God. I think Paul was living from this place. Not perfectly, but he seemed to have this like uh, corner on the market where he knew this insider way to get in this position and live life from. He could rejoice in prison because somewhere he was so in sync with how God uh, viewed something that it just didn't have hold over his life. doesn't mean that he didn't suffer. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a struggle. doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. doesn't mean he wasn't anxious. doesn't mean that he wasn't afraid. doesn't mean that he wasn't burdened. I mean, doesn't mean that he wasn't scared for his life sometimes, but it does mean that that was never the lordship of his life. The Lord was the lordship of his life. 
right? He was living life from this position of agreeing with how the Father saw the spaces that he was in. There's a great example of this. We see it in Genesis. I'm not going to pull it up, but Adam and Eve are made in the image of God. Breath has been blown into them. And you know the story. They eat the fruit and they fall and this whole thing unfolds and humanity's cursed and it starts this whole journey. But what was the real issue? They take the fruit. They're in the garden. God comes and he asks this question. Adam, where are you? And he's not asking because he lost Adam. Adam's the one who lost Adam. And he goes, Adam, where are you? And here's Adam's response. I was ashamed because I was naked. And so I hid from you. This is exactly what broken agreement looks like. Because mankind, before this moment of, quote, the fall, was created to live in continual conversation and presence with the Lord. The way he saw things was how the Father would have seen things. Made in his image, after his likeness. Those are so important. He didn't just look like him uh, in the sense of the invisible being made visible, but he had his likeness. He was like him. That's why uh, when creation happens and he allows Adam to name uh, certain things walking around, he trusted what Adam would name them because what Adam named them was what the Father would have named them. They were in agreement on some level. But here's the moment where agreement was broken. And Adam's response is, I, I, I was naked. And because of that, shame is now my condition. And I want to hide from you. Here's the first problem and how you know you're in, I don't like this terminology, but I don't have a better one. You're, you're in disagreement with the Lord. You feel like you're not safe with him. Because the truth is, that was the safest place for them to be. There was no reason to hide. But you also know that you're in disagreement with the Lord when you're complaining about the thing that he's not complaining about. Here's the issue. Adam was always naked. This was a naked church, right? This is how they were created. This is how they did life. But it was never an issue. All of a sudden, it's an issue, and now it's their complaint. Their situation, which hadn't actually changed, all that changed was the definition and how they saw the situation. And it was not in agreement with how the father saw the situation. You ever heard this, um, uh, I don't know if this is a common phrase, but you sound the most, uh, you, you sound the most like who you talk to? That's not how you say it. You know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Something like that. Uh, but you sound... Most like who you've been talking to. Who have they been talking to? A conversation that wasn't the Lord, it was a serpent, right? He was describing a different alternative, a different definition, a missing thing that wasn't actually missing. The situation never changed. This is still mankind in the image of God. But now the likeness has shifted because they're no longer in agreement with how God sees it first off. Um, but he's no longer in agreement with how God feels about them. See, when we're really having effective prayer with the Lord, we're coming into agreement with his version of the truth, with his version of the definition. This is what it means to really sync up and align to the Father. Here's another thing that effective prayer does. And again, I have to navigate these so carefully um, this morning. It brings peace in the present and hope for the future. Now, I... Here's why I say that cautiously. There's been plenty of times and situations in my life where I've prayed and peace just didn't happen. Does that mean that prayer didn't work? No. There's been plenty of times I prayed um, for an outcome and it didn't happen. Does that mean that it didn't work? Um, no. But I still know, and I don't know how to articulate all of this, but when we are really in conversation with the Lord, there's a supernatural peace that happens that's more than just a human emotion. 
And I don't know if you can relate to that, but there's something that comes through the presence of God that is not something I can conjure up in just the way that I humanly feel. There's, there's this thing that happens when I get God's perspective, when I find uh, his truth to agree with, his version of the story. It sets me in this place where I feel so zoomed out that no longer is the thing over my life. But he's the only one over my life. And it brings a peace because the thing no longer has me. He does. And maybe this is where Paul was living from. Maybe he was so zoomed out that the prison cell just didn't have him. The father did. And he was just so gripped in that place. Jesus certainly was. Jesus lived life from that position, right? He was literally heaven's perspective walking the earth. And he's redefining everything. He's not complaining about things the father's not complaining about, right? Here's, here's another uh, thing we we, we, we have to be careful of. We also don't want to curse things the Father's not cursing. It's one of the most disruptive layers of disagreeing with the Lord is when the church curses things um, that He's not cursing. And there's plenty of practical examples, but let me again bring it back to Jesus because you can't argue with Jesus. They expected Him to curse sinners at the table and tax collectors. Woman caught in adultery they expected him to curse that but jesus didn't so their version of faith was actually in disagreement with god right built their whole culture on his image but nothing like him right until jesus shows up and he's like him and jesus is not cursing the thing that they expected God would curse. And it's causing them to look again. And here's the funny thing, because the beauty of Ezekiel's prophecy is that really, if you zoom all the way out, was talking about the fact that there would be one from the lineage of David who would come and restore this whole thing. It was much bigger than just a physical nation. It was this spiritual application and context. But here, that fulfilled prophecy is walking, revealing the Father, and they're in disagreement with it for the most part. It is literally hope made flesh sitting with them, uh, tangibly there. You can reach out and touch it. It's not a lofty hope that's coming. It's one that has come. And they're resistant to it. Why? Because when you get that comfortable in Babylon, it's hard to get up and leave. Our greatest issue is not that there's not hope. It's that there's so much comfort. It's uncomfortable sometimes to get up and hope. And maybe I'm preaching to me, but sometimes it's, it's hard, right? But we also know that we have this beautiful thing where life is not just about what happens to you. It's what you do with it. You can't always determine your income, but you can determine your outcome. You can't control everything that's going to happen, but you can control You can control how you're going to respond. And it's through prayer that we learn to respond the right ways. I get his perspective. I learn to look again. And he starts to change my position based on it. Amen. And here's Jesus, hope that's come, sitting at the table. And they're struggling. But it brings peace in the present. Let me read this passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Consistent theme here, Paul's using. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now here's the one that can read, not to be dishonoring to the word, but kind of annoying. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, (laughs) You ever like tell yourself that? And it work? Nope. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Ah, I love this. Present your request to God. 
and the peace of God. Because of this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is beyond just like this human emotion thing that I think I need to feel for there to be peace, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious. And that's not talking about you having anxiety disorder in that sense. Um, don't be anxious, but pray. Get the phone line open. Now, he's not saying you're not going to struggle with anxiety. He's just telling you how to deal with it. Right? Uh, I'm sure there's, again, not many more people. He's obviously like uh, the poster child for uh, the Christian life, which is the Apostle Paul. Uh, But I promise you, he was anxious. There were moments he was anxious. I mean, again, you see the humanity of Jesus kicking in right before the cross. Father, if it's possible, let this cave. There's another way. Can I tell you something? The church has to stop treating anxiety like it's a sin. Or like it's a curse. Or like we gotta out, we got we got our faith our way out of something. That's actually not what he's saying. He's encouraging. He's saying, hey, there might be a a, a place, but don't live in that place. In every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So in other words, prayer and petition is not me talking at God. It's It's actually me coming with a heart of thankfulness and also receiving from the Lord. Which implies I have a perspective about what the Lord has done with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and then the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. It sets the standard for you to live from this position. In other words, prayer, this ability to cultivate an ongoing conversation in every single space, is what helps me stay in this position of doing life with his perspective under his agreement and gives peace in places that can be really hard to find. Here's the other thing that it does. It gives us hope for the future. Ezekiel 37, 11 through 12. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Here's their confession. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. So this is hope for their future. And here's how you know if you have effective conversation that is prayer with the Father. Do you leave with expectation? And I'm using this word again, there's a lot of caution in my sermon today, if you can't tell. Because sometimes we hear these words and we immediately go to some kind of model of faith. And we use these broad brushstrokes to put everybody in one box, but that's just not how faith is. Can I tell you, God is big enough to be the Lord of everyone's story. And everyone doesn't arrive the same way. Here's what's going to happen. Some of you... Uh, let's take anxiety. I don't, I don't know anything much about anxiety. I have it sometimes, but I don't know how to uh, fix it necessarily. Um, but since it's in here, let's use it as an example. Sometimes people will pray about, hey, I'm anxious. And, man, that just goes away. And then sometimes people pray, hey, I'm anxious, God. Like, you know, fix this thing. And guess what? They're still anxious. The most dangerous thing we can do is make a model out of the one that worked and condemn the one that didn't. Because then we're cursing what he's not cursing, which means we're not really trusting him. And I'll talk about this in a second as we close. Uh, But one of the most dangerous things we do is we take the way God met us and use it as the model for everyone else to have to meet God the same way or they're not living by faith. See, God's big enough to be so unique in your story that you can't pigeonhole him in some weird doctrine or theology that we made up. He'll meet you in ways that would just wreck your world. And he's going to meet other people in ways that you don't even like and probably don't even believe in. But that's why he didn't make you God, right? 
the worst thing we can do is try to box one another into the way that he met us. And equally, and this is why this has to be an ongoing conversation, because most of the time what we do is we get stuck in what he said and we stop listening to what he's saying. And this is where we camp in a model or a moment and we make the moment the whole model. And so when God meets us a certain way, we assume that's how he wants to meet us every way all the time. And guys, you'll never box him into a way. Why? Because he is the way. The way, it was never about the way, that the way was. He is the way. He is the thing. He is the relationship. He is the open conduit. He is the prayer line. He's the conversation that if we continually live in and listen to, I don't have to worry about getting stuck in a way because he is the way. Right? But when we're in conversation with the Lord and we're listening, there is always hope. There's never one time there won't be hope on the table. For whatever season we're in, whatever moment we're in, whatever thing we're in, there is always hope. Because that's who He is, right? Is this safe this morning? Everybody good? I'm biting off a nine-week series in one Sunday morning, so just thank you. But do you leave your conversation with the Lord with expectation? And here's the last one I want to wind down on. Effective prayer brings change. Again, zoom way out in their story, obviously, um, Jesus comes. And this whole gospel thing has fixed a lot of these issues. It's no longer just a natural people, but it's a spiritual people. And we are all included, which is amazing. So something changed. Here was the challenge, though. It didn't change when they thought it would. So it brings change. It doesn't always change the way I thought that it would, though. Sometimes we think prayer doesn't work because it just didn't change the way that I thought it would. Um, here's actually kind of what was happening. A lot of times, um, actually, let me say this first. The imagery here, Valley of Dry Bones, it's been this way for a really long time. There's been death. Something's died there. And it stayed dead for a long time. Super dry. It's, let me say it like this, it's beyond hope. Right? If you ever come to a place in your life where you think something is beyond hope, then you're in disagreement with the Lord. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say it in a, as a metric. It shows you where you are. Because there's never a place where there's not going to be hope when he's around. Amen? But he's going to challenge you to look again. He's going to call you to agree with the way that he sees it. He's going to somehow guard your heart through the process. But he is going to call you to hope. He's going to call you out of whatever that thing is. Amen? Because it will change us, right? But this is something that's been this way for a long time. It's probably, we could metaphorically use this as a place of comfort. It's something that's familiar we get so used to it being a certain way. You know, the hardest place for us to pray and expect change is the places in our life where it's just always been that way. Right? It's just always been like that. Maybe you've got, like, quick example, maybe you've got a friend you're praying for and they've just always been that way. They're just kind of crazy. I don't know. They got their thing. Maybe they have a struggle. You're like, ah, oh, here we go again. Do you ever think the Lord looks at us when we come and thinks, oh, here we go again? No, because His grace is sufficient. He doesn't get tired of you coming, even if it's the same old thing. Because on His side of the equation, there's always hope for what's always been to not be anymore. 
even if it's been that way for a really long time, even if the bones are dry, what he's saying is I'm going to cause breath to enter into you. I'm literally going to rebirth and recreate you just like I did man in a garden. I'm going to breathe new life into you. Even if it's been this way for decades, there is still hope because it's not by might or power and it's not by your self-help figuring it out. It is by the Spirit of God. Can I tell you this? There is a layer that is stewardship that we're responsible for, but I still fully believe in the presence and the power of God that can supernaturally transform stuff and the truth is this sometimes we pray and there's two things um, that happen either it happens in an instant or we have to realize it's something that's unfolding but if you always expect the instant version you're going to be disappointed and you're going to back off from this conversation because you don't think it's effective because you're looking at your thing the wrong way and you need to look at it the way that he does can I, I, guys, I've, I've literally seen people get healed like this. Just, no explanation. And good, I'm not an anointed prophet guy. You just pray for somebody. You didn't, I, we prayed for a lady one time. We didn't pray, pray for healing. We didn't know she had an issue. We're just praying for her. Hey, God, you love this woman. She's great. You know, like normal kind of prayer. She comes back like the next week and says, Hey, I got healed of this 20 year old carpal tunnel issue. Went to the doctors, like just fully gone, like severe. I mean, we didn't even know she got healed, but then I've prayed for people till I'm blue in the face for literally years and nothing changes. <laughs> now, why is that? I'm going to tell you the answer, and please never forget this. No one knows. <laughs> but please don't dare try to answer that question. Because it will pull you so far out of peace guarding your heart and put you in this place which usually leaves you hiding in a garden in the presence of God, but too ashamed to have relationship and conversation with Him. Even though you're right there, come on, this is the beauty of the gospel, that if any man be in Christ, we are in Christ Jesus. What a tragedy to live in the middle of this garden of the rebirth of people who were far, but now are drawn near and not even have a conversation because we're too ashamed. When His version is, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're cursing the thing I'm not cursing. But prayer changes things, right? Not always instantly. Sometimes it's an unfolding thing, but we have to trust the timing and the lordship of Jesus. Otherwise, we get disappointed and we try to fix it. I think, um, I'm just going to pray for us, but... I think of so many stories just pastoring for, um, you know, the last decade and a half. We, you just harvest so many stories and you, you see so many things in a short amount of time. And I can honestly say that one of the most common themes I see is people who go through unnecessary seasons that if, the phone line was open for would avoid so much pain so much discomfort and sometimes it's hard to listen to the Lord sometimes it's hard in again personality traits but um, I can tell on myself when I'm having a conversation I'm usually the guy and I've gotten way better, so please don't stop talking to me. But I'm usually the guys thinking of my answer before you're done talking. Pretty common issue with communication. Care at point time. Um, and if I'm honest, so many times that infiltrates my prayer life because I think I know the answer before I've heard his. So I've already decided what I'm going to do and how I'm going to function. And then I'm like, yeah, God's going to bless it. And maybe that's true. But maybe it's not. 
I will say this is better to know by listening to him first. Because so much pain and discomfort in our journey can be avoided by having an honest, messy, open phone line to the Lord that just says, I, I, I need your version. Let me tell you about it. But then please, God, tell me about it. Tell me about my own situation. Tell me about my own pain. Tell me about my own circumstance. Tell me about the fact that we're divided and dispersed for years and there's no nation. Tell me why we've been taken captive. Like, tell me all the answers to what you see because I don't see it, God. That's a vulnerable place to be in, but it's the most safe place we could be. Because when we're so broken down that we're no longer trying to find it, uh, to define it, is usually the place for the first time he actually has space to define it for us. The issue in the garden was Adam's definition became broken. And through the gospel, he redefines humanity in the work of Jesus. And now, those of us who are in him have this open, continual phone line conversation. This will of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time. To rejoice always. To pray continually. And to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is about learning to live from a position. Not live for a position. Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray for us this morning. Father, um, I thank you, God, that you are Lord that you're Lord over um, just the tapestry that is us. This complex but beautiful thing that at the end of the day has to yield to the mystery of you. God, I thank you that um, you're big enough that I can't box you in to one way. And God, I thank you that no matter how many times we need to pick up that phone of continual prayer, you're always on the other side. But maybe if I could pray one specific thing over us this morning, God, I pray that you would just give us grace to not just hear your voice, but to listen to your voice. God, I want to know your definition. And for you this morning, maybe I, maybe just spend a, a second here um, just praying whatever your thing is. Maybe it's the unknown. Maybe it's you're in transition. Maybe it's something different, but whatever it is. God, we want your version of our situation, your perspective your definition to agree with. God, uh, we want peace. And God, we want hope. Because hope never is off the table. Change is never off the table. And we trust you, God. We trust you with the things that are instant and the things that are unfolding. I want to say this one last thing. So often, I think the things that we go through, that we're praying for God to change, usually we're actually about the thing. Because here's what God does. God fixes a prophet to change a situation. He doesn't fix the situation to change the prophet. In other words, God, we don't want to just have you fix our circumstance. I want you to fix me through the circumstance. Because usually the change we're looking for isn't about the thing. It's about changing how we go through the thing. So give us your eyes, your ears, your heart, your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.